0: Hey, thank you for being here. This is your friend, Princess.
1: And Rodney. We're so happy to have you here with the Millennial Mustard Seed Podcast. Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm so happy that you guys are here with me again for another episode. Tonight, I'm going to do things a little bit different. This is an hour and a half of intense reflection conversation. I'm chopping it up with BDK from Omega Frequency, and Micah comes on to join us again. He sits in. He chimes in. We have a blast on this episode. BDK does some major reflection. Uh, shares his heart with us I'm just chiming in from time to time Just sharing my two cents On all the amazing Madness of conversation that takes place This is raw I did no editing To this episode uh, I just wanted to give you guys this conversation This is this is why I do what I do To be able to connect with people uh, Here's Adam Jack You got anything to say dude?
2: <laughs> Man you're
1: happy today Alright well listen I'm so happy that you guys are here and enjoy this episode. Let's jump right into it, y'all. Tonight, we're going to do things a little bit different here on the show. I have BDK here from Omega Frequencies, and he's doing a lot of great things for the Lord. And, and is here from the Nightlight Podcast. He joined us a few episodes ago where he shared his testimony about a dream the Lord gave him. Tonight, I just want to pour back into all of you listeners. I I know 2020 has taken so much from everybody, and a lot of people are just um, feeling alone and forgotten, and they're questioning everything. And the most important thing that, that us as first and foremost are men of Christ, the mission field, is to give back to you, the audience, and remind you guys of the most important message which is Christ crucified and, and risen again. So welcome, BDK. It's awesome to have you here, brother.
0: So grateful to be here, man. I've listened to a bunch of your episodes, man, and it's really, really good. I can tell that you have a heart for the Lord and a heart to just tell people's stories and to bring it back to the Lord. And that's an amazing thing because that's one of the ways that we fight, that we overcome. We share our testimony We talk about the power of the blood, and we resolve in our hearts in dark moments like these that we won't be afraid of the darkness, but we will fight. We will fight with spiritual weapons, and we will not love our lives to the death, and that's how we overcome. So it's really awesome that you're taking your gifts and your talents, and you're putting it out there, man, and you're reaching people that only you can reach, man. So it's an honor to be here, man. And Micah, what's up? How you doing, sir?
2: I'm doing great. It's also an honor for me to be here. Uh, I had a really great time being a guest on Rodney's show. It's just an honor to be here with both of you. And right now it's like previously stated, 2020 has been a crazy year, but I know that God's doing something fresh this year. I know that there's a lot of change coming. I felt it in my own life, um, like throughout my life. I know that I don't want to say the word premonition, every time I've faced a major change in my life, spiritually or physically, I've had like a anticipation feeling and my wife has been sensitive to it too. And it's always correct, but we never know what form it's going to take. And, uh, this year I have that anticipation. Um, I do have a baby on the way, but it's not because of that. <laughs> um, <Are you> sure <laughs> a, a little bit, but I, I sense something spiritually is going to change, but I know that God is moving. And, uh, it's encouraging to have brothers in Christ around me uh, like you guys to be able to support and encourage that. We all we all know that we have each other's backs.
0: Amen. Yeah, we got to be the band of brothers in this hour, man, because that three-strand that three cord, right, not easily broken. And, boy, do we need to band together. Amen. Because the powers that shouldn't be sure have no problem doing it. If we could only be, like, a tenth as organized as they are, man, we'd rock America, you know?
1: I couldn't agree more. Uh, You're 100% right. We don't see a lot of unification in the church. And I have a feeling that that's going to change. You know, like God says, worship him in spirit and in truth. And God knows that the remnant has been crying out and pleading for that righteousness to just uh, continue to fall on the body and to just get us sharpened up so that we're not ashamed to work in our gifts.
0: I too sense that. The church's greatest hour is upon us and i do sense that there will be a unity but it will be a unity that comes out of necessity but i think spiritually the best thing that happened was that biden got elected that like the democrats are controlling both houses (laughs) of the congress make no mistake man they have four years of vengeance laid up for the church (laughs) they have four years of 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 debts that they are about to settle and um Hmm. I believe we were getting kind of complacent under Trump a little bit. And we were even idolizing him a bit more than we probably should have. And, you know, I don't think he was the devil by any stretch of the imagination. But I think that people were beginning to worship him a little bit like Jesus. And when that happens, we become complacent and we start to look for the government to be our protection. And I think that the more protection is taken away from the church, the more we're going to have to unify and call to the Lord for our protection. And I think he's been waiting for that for a while. And yeah. I think that he's allowing these circumstances not not to hurt us or to scare us, but to draw us closer to him. And when that happens, man, I believe that if there's going to be any sort of refreshing or any sort of reviving that takes place, it's going to be like what we see in the Church night that in Iran right now, yes. Where they're crazy enough to say like the best evangelist for God is the Ayatollah, Hmm. and you sit back and you're like, how is that possible? It's (laughs) like, look, man, this guy is such a devil that that the the very own Muslims that he rules over are like, we don't like this guy. Like, and the and the church, they just live out their faith radically in the marketplaces and wherever they go, man. They just they overcome. By the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, they truly do not love their lives to the death. Like ain't nobody in the Iran church sitting in the back of the church saying, hey, man, I'll slip my hand up with every head bow and every eye closed. Maybe I'll get a good parking spot this week if Jesus comes through me. Like they get baptized and they know that they may be signing their own death warrant. They may if they're women, they know they may be getting raped for the choice that they're making. And I don't know if it'll be that extreme in America. But after what we saw go down the other day, man, it's starting to scare me just a little bit because like they're going to fully maximize the PR of that moment where everyone who believes in any sort of conspiracy or anyone who believes in any sort of uh, Christian value, they're, they're painting as a target, man. Like today, Apple came out and told Parler, hey, we know you're all about the free speech and we know you're all about the non-censorship, but we're going to pull an Alex Jones on you. If you, if you don't uh, give us assurances that you'll censor your people because it's this sort of thing that, that led to the riots, right? And they're like, we'll take you down. We'll, we won't give you any space on our apps. And if, if Apple doesn't give you a space on their app, Google is soon to follow. And once that happens, you can have the world's best app and you ain't got a home, man. And it's like this, these things will be used against us 100%, man. And we need in this moment to rally around Jesus and we need to start finding our identity in them. And we need to live in such a way that the accusations they make against us can't stick because people will be like, whoa, these guys don't do the things you say they do. The real ones don't. They would never do this sort of stuff. They live a radical life of love, peace, devotion to Jesus, Like they don't even want to be part of this world. And that's what we need, man. And I think that this is, this is that hour that David Wilkerson began to talk about, you know, that in the world's darkest hour, God will display his greatest power. I think we're approaching that hour, man. I think we're approaching that prophetic hour and we can't squander that opportunity. So we just need to be doing what what we're doing. you we need to be producing podcasts, and we need to use whatever gifts we have in this moment to reach reach far and wide man
2: you know b d k you hit the nail right on the head with it with a, with a lot of things you said even even the whole thing about Biden um I know I've heard a lot of prophets saying, "Oh Trump's going to get a second term, it's going to be a landslide, and I don't discount it i just I'm one of those wait and see kind of people um because uh, there's a lot of people out there that claim to be prophetic, and some of them are legitimate and some aren't. And uh, But I like to test the spirits, or even like Paul said about the Bereans, they you know research to make sure that everything that he said was correct. I agree with you about Biden, um, just in, for the fact that, yeah, I think it's going to force a lot of things to happen. Even though it is scary, it's also exciting. Another point you had said about the church coming together. I know that in our gathering or our fellowship, I, I, over the past couple months, like when the when they started closing things down and for COVID over the summer, we saw our congregation shrink and then blow up. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's not about numbers; it's, that's not the whole point. But and I touched on this in my first episode of my podcast. But we have people coming to our church that we're attending, you know, Baptist church and came from all different backgrounds and we're we're non-denominational you know we we lift we lift our hands we love the lord we preach straight out of the bible um we're family oriented we believe everything the word of god says and we have people coming from all different backgrounds and we're all just coming together and forming this family and it's awesome to see and that's what it's all about and it's not all about meeting in one building every week you know like this is my congregation and I'm not stepping outside it It's about forming relationships with others in the church as what the church really is worldwide, the body of Christ. Um, And that's where I think the podcasts come in, too, where we can fellowship with each other across state lines or even across the world if we so chose to. And this message isn't just confined to this area. It goes out and it goes forth. And I just think this is an amazing time. And uh, we are going to see the church wake up, I think we're going to see um, a separation of the the sheep and the goats. We're going to see those who, Amen. who did not want to really, who who just came to church for a social club. They just came. We we've already seen it. Um, church is shutting down and people, well, I just came there for the donuts and the free coffee, you know, or I came to hear a, a motivational sermon and get some business contacts. You know, you had those people and a lot of them are falling away. They're sitting at home watching their live stream or they're not even doing that anymore. And then you have the ones who truly wanted to be in fellowship in the body of Christ. As the word says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, even as the day approaches. And also in Psalm 133, where it says, oh, how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. You know, it's the people that are still coming to church, even when the when they're closed down, those are the ones that are really hungry. And they're the ones that are going to be the influencers and the the world changers because they they're passionate about Christ and they're on fire and uh, I'm honored to have met some of them and I know that this has stirred something in me even you know God is doing something
1: Psalms thirty two eight the Lord says I will guide you along the best pathway for your life and I will advise you and watch over you with Biden when I agree with you BDK with Biden uh, it looks like he's you know taking that position as president over this nation. God is still on the throne. During this whole thing, I've had so many people try to, um, they're so attached to their emotions. You know, if you try to talk about the fact of we're temporary creatures, we're here to worship God and be be image bearers of His people are so caught up in their emotions that why would you still be stuck on that message or why won't you agree with this? agenda or this or that, I mean, I've heard a little bit of everything. A lot of the ministry I do is in secret and it's on a a one-to-one or or one-to-three basis, uh, face-to-face with people. Just some of the responses, you can just see there's a spirit in the world right now, the Antichrist spirit, and it is stirring up people, but God is going to, you know, he's not going to let the enemy run roughshod on the body of Christ. Before Christ comes back and cracks the sky like a supernova and pulls back the veil, he's going to pour His spirit out And uh, I'm excited for that, you know, instead of focusing on the things that are wrong, not saying that we neglect looking in and being aware of our surroundings. Uh, Personally, as a watchman in the body of Christ, I look at a lot of things, but holding on to that excitement of, you guys, this season is showing that Christ is coming sooner. (laughs) Like, it's going to be okay. (laughs) Like, it's going to be everything we imagined and more, like, we can't even wrap our heads around the beauty of our King who's coming. And he's going to swallow up death and all the tears are going to be wiped away. But in this season, in this season, we stand as brothers in Christ and we cry out to God and we we look to his coming because he's going to come soon. And he's uh, He's more beautiful and greater than I think what, what we can imagine.
0: Yeah. I find myself as I keep getting older, just spending less and less time praying about the things that I need from God or requests for him to fill me with his power or, or to anoint me and things like that. I just, I just like, God will do what he'll do. I find myself crying out just for a revelation of his glory, his beauty, his majesty. Like, I just want to get to know him personally. And then like, I figure he'll just minister from the overflow of what he shows me to people, man. Like, we don't need to fear this hour. We need to start preparing for the hour that's to come. And we need to start equipping ourselves to endure till the end. I mean, that's the, I mean, we, me and my friend Kurt, and uh, we've been thinking a lot about our mission statement for Omega Frequency, both the podcast and the video. And I've distilled it down to a sentence, equip yourself to endure till the end. Like, we need to do that. We need to start making proactive, tangible steps to face the prophetic hour that we're soon going to find ourselves in. I mean, I believe without a shadow of a doubt, the book of Revelation and the tribulation, we're going to see that in our lifetime. And um, that freaks a lot of people out. Oh, man, does that freak people out? I mean, they get excited about it. Everybody loves talking about Bible prophecy. But then when they realize that they're in that story somewhere, they get a little afraid because they see the the dangers of the tribulation, right? And I always, I always tell people, man, we shouldn't be afraid. The church is the one body on earth that has the playbook for everything that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I, I was a former New England Patriots fan, big former New England Patriots fan until Kraft got all caught up in the massage parlors and the traffic gig. And then it was just like, man, I can't, you know, like I have to tap out. Um, And that hurt me because I've been a Patriots fan forever, even when they were cheating. Right. Even when they were going and getting (laughs) the playbook for the other teams, I was like, I was like, Hey man, like if you're standing on the sidelines, it's people's jobs to stand there with a pencil and look across the sidelines and look at your signals. Right. (laughs) Like they're just doing that. They they have technology to, to go beyond the pencil. Right. And it's like, but they had all those advantages because they knew the playbook. Right. And we have the playbook for this prophetic hour. It's called the book of revelation. And you want to talk about prophetic and this is what trips me up about false prophets. Right. Like They want to prophesy these new and spectacular and fleshly things and all of these grandiose new words for the hour. Dude, we got a book at the end of the book that has a blessing. If you read it, hear it and obey it. It's the only book that does. And why, what's that blessing? That blessing is that we have the playbook. Like You want to talk about being a prophet? Imagine what happens when the tribulation begins and you're able to tell people what's going to happen the next day in the news. Because you know what's happening. Because you know. Like, we have the playbook. We are going to be able to stand in this prophetic hour and be a light and a beacon to people if we know the playbook. And the playbook is the book of Revelation. It's not a story about a million people getting their heads chopped off. It's a story about how we overcome the devil that's exact before we even get to see that 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 antichrist rising out of the sea satan is cast down from heaven and the very first thing that it says is yeah satan's mad woe to the inhabitants of the earth he's coming with vengeance for you but fear not we overcome him by the blood of the lamb the word of our testimony not loving our lives to the death we have a book that's going to tell us what's going to happen before it happens I firmly believe in my heart of hearts that the book of Revelation is the second part of the book of Acts. The book of Acts never ended on a definitive note. It was the history of the first church movement, and it just kind of ends. There's no final chapter. And that's because the book of Revelations is the final part of the history of the church, whereas Acts was the first history of the church. And yeah, in Acts, people were getting jailed. They were getting killed. They were getting martyred. All of this bad stuff was happening. But at the same time, God's word went forth with such power that it literally turned the world upside down, according to the King James Version Bible. And that's what the book of Revelation is really, truly about, man. We don't need to fear the events of that thing. We just need to prepare to meet it. And if we really want to have wisdom and prophetic insight, now is the time to really understand that book to really make peace with what that book says and to start preparing our lives to match up with the things that we're going to need to know when that book becomes reality so that it can be the playbook so that we can stand there and be like, this is what the Lord God said would happen before it happened. And let a couple of the events of the tribulation play out. Let your prophecy be a hundred percent accurate because you're sticking to the book and people will be like, whoa, He knows. And man, you will be a living gospel track in that hour full of the Holy ghost and power. And man, it's going to be the most exciting time to be alive on planet earth. I truly believe that with all my heart, man. Amen.
2: Amen. That's, you know, it's what you were just saying. Like, I'm just feeling the, and a lot of people have been saying that in America, we've been spoiled and we have, um, In the same respect, though, America has been a good place, at least in the past, because we've raised up a lot of missionaries and sent them out across the world. Um, It's been unprecedented, the amount of missionaries that we've sent out in the past. Um, I'm not saying that there's I know there's plenty of missionaries out there now, but um, we can see the current spiritual state in our country, though, as compared to even, you know, 70 years ago, even 50, 10. You know, it's not the same place it was when I was a kid in the late 80s, early 90s, you know um but you know i <clears throat> even though i've been on a couple of mission trips myself but i've never been persecuted while on those trips um my dad however though and my mom they've done a lot of missions work over the years and my dad has been to india i couldn't tell you how many times and he has he has some wild stories about that but uh the last time he went they were out in the street. It was my mom and dad and uh, another uh, man and woman from their church. And they were out in the streets just passing out tracts and praying with people and talking to people. And this was probably 10, 8 to 10 years ago um, before it got really bad. I mean, it was already bad there, but it's gotten worse since. But they were attacked by Hindu priests. And my dad, his shirt was ripped off in the street and he was beaten. And my mom and the other lady in the group ran back to the hotel. And so my dad and the other gentleman and their interpreter went to the police station. The police came and intervened. And the police told the interpreter, who told my dad, they plan on killing you tonight. And so my dad and uh, they said, get out of town, basically. So they got out of town and their visit there was cut short. They all jumped on a train to go across the country, couple, I, don't know, I don't know, if like a towns, couple towns over um, to another pastor's house to seek refuge um, farther away. And, you know, their, their visit got cut short, but this is a cool testimony of how God turns bad things into good. While they were on the train, my mom spoke to a young man who was planning on going to college in the United States. And she led him to the Lord that night on the train. And uh, they still actually keep in contact with him today. Uh, he's in Florida, and he's a doctor, I think. But you know, yeah, it's it's just awesome to see. But the reason I I felt compelled to share that is, you know, that's the kind of persecution that they're experiencing all over the world today, and and here we've been spared from that. And I believe God had purpose in that for a long time, because again, America has been a like a hub for missionary work over the years um but i believe that we're starting to see the persecution come here even though it's still mild um personally i've experienced very little persecution here um a couple times when i was in new york city when i was in bible school i did an internship there and i i got screamed at you know <laughs> um, when i was trying to share the the gospel with a man. Um, But, you know, nothing like what they experience overseas. But I think we're going to start to see that a little more because we've seen the church closings. I know in Southern California, I believe, during this whole COVID thing where the Mm -hmm. government was attacking the church. Yeah. Um, It was insane. Like, I I couldn't, almost couldn't believe what I was seeing. You know, I I still can't believe what I'm seeing. I do believe it because I know what the Bible says. Like you said, it's a playbook. And we know the end and we know how bad it is going to get but to see these things come to pass in in our lifetime um you know it's just it's crazy because you know I was born in the 80s and it still wasn't even then nearly what it is now but we know that God's in control you know
0: amen I'm... i think there's something even worse than persecution that the church really needs to be aware of in this hour because Granted, Satan will persecute those who believe in Jesus. That's a given. But sometimes Satan is smart enough to do something even more diabolical. Whereas he knows that persecution will stamp out some of the gospel message, the tendency for persecution to backfire on him and to truly, truly make the people he is persecuting just a zealot army against him. He knows the very real danger of that. He's been fighting this war uh, forever. And he's smart enough to to have uh, hoodwinked a third of the angels into uh, following him. They were in the presence of God, you know, and he started that conspiracy theory in heaven. And he was smart enough to dupe angelic beings who stood in the presence of God, that God wasn't as good and as powerful as they beheld, you know, and One of the dangers, the real danger that this church faces here in America is a loss of identity. It's a compromising spirit. It's a lukewarm spirit. Satan doesn't have to persecute a church if a church ceases to be a church, if a church ceases to represent Jesus accurately. Exactly. And I think that's the form of persecution that is the subtler one that's really dangerous to the church because, you know, it's like that uh frog in the boiling water scenario. Like the gospel has been so compromised and the core essence of the gospel has been so compromised that we don't look anything like the church in Iran, the church in China. We don't look anything like the original church that existed in the first 300 years before Constantine said enough of persecuting Christians. All we're doing is making Christianity literally spread like a virus that's the language they were using he said hey man i'll give you my power my authority my blessing like i'll make it really easy for you just give me the theology that i need to do my business and i'll give you the protection you need to do yours and that compromising spirit took away the church's identity and plunged it into the dark ages and into roman catholicism and we need to be very, very careful in this hour to guard ourselves against the persecution that's coming, but we also need to be honest enough to start investigating the roots of our faith and what the earliest followers of Jesus believed. And we need to use that as a mirror and see if the church that we are, because we are the church, the church isn't a building, we're the church of the living God, the redeemed church of the living God. And we need to start matching up our beliefs and our identity into the identity of Christ. Because like, if we're talking about the book of Revelation and the end times, what's the first thing that Jesus does in the book of Revelation? He goes to those seven churches. Like, Before there can be any sort of tribulation, before there can be any sort of beginning of sorrows, before there can be any seals opened, Jesus has to take a moment and walk amongst his church. And he has to investigate his church. And in every one of those letters, you see Jesus, he's just standing in the midst of the lampstands. And what he's doing is he's looking at these lampstands and he's like, is there oil in these lamps? Are these lamps burning? He's looking at the church. And in every one of these letters, he basically starts by saying, these are the things that I would do. And I I congratulate you on doing the things that I would do. I would not tolerate these Nicolaitans, you don't tolerate these Nicolaitans. But then he's like, but you do tolerate that Jezebel. I would never tolerate that Jezebel. And and it's so devastating because he's like, if you guys represent me well, I will open up doors that no man can shut before you. But if you fail to represent who I am, I will remove your lampstand. I am under no obligation to continue the work that I began in you if you will not faithfully represent me. And history proved it out 100%. There's only one church in existence today historically from that book of Revelation, that church of Smyrna. All the other ones went away. Even the one that Jesus didn't have the rebuke for, Philadelphia. But the one that Polycarp was the bishop of, The church that's there now, there's a legitimate church there. You can trace it back to Polycarp's original church because Jesus promised that that church would have that open door that no man could shut and time couldn't shut it. And so we need to be very careful because I believe exactly what you said. God's judging the church. He's sifting the church. He's separating the sheep from the goat. This must happen before the events and the seals are opened. And we're in that sifting process. And it's a good thing. It's not a scary thing. This is how the bride becomes that glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. We need to deal honestly with our souls right now in this moment. And we need to put aside every weight that hinders. We need to be good soldiers of Christ who do not evolve ourselves in civilian affairs. We need to be allegiant soldiers of Jesus. We need to remember the pledges we made to God when we were baptized. We need to go back to a very authentic faith in Jesus. And we need to, we need to literally live the values of the gospel of Jesus out. Because how will the world ever know that there's a difference or a choice if we look like the world? We're so busy making friends with the world and borrowing their techniques to grow our churches. I love what she said about how people are coming to your church because it's just a real family church. People are looking for the real, the authentic. They're looking not for the seeker-sensitive stuff. They're looking in this hour, really, truly looking, the remnants looking, for people that will be different, for people that will stand out like sore thumbs. God's got to have himself a couple of sore thumbs in this world. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the way we live has to be different. Otherwise there's no second choice, you know? And that's Absolutely. why the gospel of this kingdom shall be preached as a witness. And then the end shall come. And that witness is up to us, man. And so, man, we got to be busy in this hour. We got to don't let the devil steal our identity in Christ away from us and what this gospel is truly all about, man.
1: Man, I couldn't agree more with you. I want to ask you, what are your thoughts with, I'm not saying the vaccine in particular right now is or isn't, you know, the mark. But we know Revelation 13, when we scroll down and we see God is warning, every man, um, small and great, rich and poor, bond and free, will be forced to receive a mark that he will not be able to buy or sell or trade unless he has that mark. I, do you BDK? Do you think this is right on the horizon? Do you think we're there um, with with these vaccines? That I mean, my wife is in the healthcare field, and they're already kind of like pressuring her. Like they're they're talking about within ninety days they're going to be administering you know vaccines to this area, and they're trying to get people um, vaccinated. It's no longer like uh oh, we're just listening to this on the news, but vaccinations are, are here right under our nose. If it's mandated, which it seems like, you know, to keep your job, you're probably going to have to be vaccinated in the healthcare field. I don't know if my wife will have a job if she refuses it. We've been talking and praying about this. And I haven't really told anybody else. I mean, uh, here I am on the podcast. Great. She's going to probably... have some words for me later. <laughs> <laughs> but, but long story short, pray for us, anybody who's hearing this uh, to give us wisdom, but I-, I would like to know your take. on
0: Well, we're kind of in the same boat over here. My wife is a registered nurse. She's a hospice nurse, right? Okay. So she's facing the same sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's very interesting that the majority of the healthcare field does not want to take this vaccine. How That, about ought, to that? Speak, that ought to speak volumes as to the danger of it. Yeah. Now, Here's the thing. I am so unpopular with the stance I have on the vaccine because I, I, I probably won't take it. You know, like I, I think there are some dangerous things, but none of my objections are spiritual objections to taking the vaccine. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: They're more scientific health um, objections. I, uh, I don't feel that this vaccine is the mark of the beast, and I don't think there's anything sinful about taking a vaccine um, missionaries you were talking about missionaries missionaries take vaccines all the time to go into foreign countries and they do it they do it so that they can preach the gospel mm-hmm. uh, not buying or selling has is a byproduct of the mark but not the identifier of the mark the identifier of what the mark is has nothing to do without With, with the not buying and selling thing. Like if that's, if buying and selling was the identifier of the mark, then money would be the mark because we can't buy or sell without it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, the mark is going to be something very, very specific. The mark is going to, in my opinion, be a supernatural thing. I believe it's going to be a supernatural mark. I believe that, um, it's going to be the emission pass. To enter into the new world order mm-hmm. um there was that saying right that no one's gonna i think it was matthew fox that said no one's gonna enter this new world order unless he takes a pledge of allegiance to worship lucifer mm-hmm. i believe that's literally what's happening in revelation 13. and i believe when you when that ceremony goes down when the when the image of the beast is given life um, When the Antichrist, who had that deadly wound that was healed, standing in the temple of God, proclaiming to be God and the false prophet, mm-hmm. is there making that image of the beast speak and live, that this will be a global service broadcast from the temple. And I mm-hmm. believe that everyone in that moment will have to choose whether to worship Lucifer or the Antichrist, and it's going to be very deceptive because a lot of people are going to be thinking that they're worshiping Jesus in that moment, to be honest with you, or the real Messiah of Bible prophecy, right? Because I think that's his end game. And I think that if we get so caught up in implantables or DNA changing things or vaccines and things like that, or transhumanistic technology, we could really be duped is I don't think, I think all of that's disinformation. I think that it's going to be a spiritual mark that appears on you supernaturally when you worship the, the image of the beast. Then it will either appear in your forehead or your hands or maybe both. And I believe that it will be the symbol of a ta or a cross. That's just my personal belief. Um, And I think that will dupe a lot of people. But then... Like when you do that, you will be able to enter the new world order because you've taken that pledge of allegiance and then the transhumanistic technology will be available to you. Then all of these goodies that they have been planning, right? All of these things that we think might be the mark, they will become part of our normal everyday society. They will be this quote unquote utopia or basically the counterfeit millennial kingdom of Christ, right? And so we need to be very, very, very careful to stick expressly with what the Word of God says and not add in current events to it. The Bible doesn't say that the mark of the beast changes our DNA. It doesn't say that it's a piece of technology. It doesn't say that it's a vaccine. It just says it's a mark um, that we get from worshiping the devil, basically. Uh, there's, there's nothing in the Bible that, that says we're unredeemable because our DNA was changed. That's not what makes us irredeemable. It's we have chosen with our own free will and volition to give our hands, which is our, our service and our mind, which is our will, our heart, to the devil. And that will be akin to blaspheming the Holy Spirit in that moment. We will invite an Antichrist spirit into our heart, into our temple. And not only will, will uh, the Antichrist sit in the temple of God, the physical temple, but demonic spirits will sit in our temple. Basically, Lucifer will sit in the temple of our bodies through his demonic network of, of demonic spirits. And we know that the Holy Spirit will not abide in a temple filled with demons. And that's what's going to make us irredeemable. I mean, it's really cool to have a sci-fi element attached to it, but I don't believe, I don't believe that's what it is. Now, do I believe the stuff like Elie Marzuli says about there being a UFO deception? Do I believe the stuff about Genesis 6 and the Nephilim? 100%. Like, that stuff's all going to be part of this great delusion, yes. but I don't think the mark of the beast mm-hmm. has anything to do with a DNA change.
1: Okay. Interesting. Um,
0: yeah, and, and there's no passage in the Bible that says it. Mm-hmm. No, so, I mean your
1: take you you literally covered some things that I didn't quite like gather like from looking at the word myself and and really gave me some clarity. I look at it a lot of these things I see as kind of forerunners, like uh the momentum's building in the direction of whatever this might be, um
0: oh yeah, the vaccine is a hundred percent that in that respect though mm-hmm. um I'll tell you, man, like this is all about uh compliance, right, yeah. Like this is, this is a conditioning. So if they say, well, you can't go here. You can't do that because of a vaccine. Like, I believe there's Christian liberty. If it's not going to send me to hell, then I I would obviously have the right to take that if I didn't want to abide by that. Mm -hmm. But what you're doing is you're implanting fear in people's mind, right? You're implanting fear. Like if I don't do what the government tells me to do, then I'm screwed, right? Like I need to obey what the government tells me to do. Because they will take everything from me. And it tests our allegiance yes. and it opens up a doorway of fear. And I've always said that the spirit of fear is the devil's evangelist. Oh. Anytime that the spirit of fear can get in our heart, can get in our mind, that opens a doorway of influence for demonic spirits, opens a doorway of influence to the devil to come in and condition us to be afraid. And things like the mark of the, or things like the vaccine, things like the New World Order, things like the way the government's about ready to unleash four years of hell upon us—all of these things are just moves that the devil's making for his side on his cosmic chessboard, as Ale Marzuli always says. These moves that he's making are to test our loyalties. Yeah. But, but here's the cool thing. It can also test our resolve to love God even harder. That's what the devil doesn't get, man. He only sees his side of the coin because he's a narcissist and he's full of pride. That's what got him kicked out of heaven. He only sees his side of the coin, man. He never sees the opposite side of the coin. That the further he pushes our back up against the wall, the more we want to fight back. And it, this is a this is a chance for us to start living by our principles and not living by fear, and that's what takes the devil by surprise because he doesn't think about that
2: because yeah, you know, he's
0: blind to it.
2: I just wanted to say comment on what you said about the mark. I I mean I don't I don't know. I mean it could be spiritual and it could be physical. It could be both, honestly. Um, but one thing I do agree with you is I don't believe that we will be tricked into taking it. It's mm-hmm. not so, it's not something you can be forced to take, and it's not something you, you'll take, um, not knowing what you're doing. You're gonna have to actively deny or denounce Christ in order to receive this. It's yep. gonna it's gonna be specific. So yeah, like a vaccine, like just like you said, I don't want to take it because of the health reasons. I've seen testimonials online recently of nurses. Um, the one nurse I saw, she did a video. It was like on facebook or somewhere and she's crying because half of her face is paralyzed after she took this covid vaccine and uh and you know that stuff's not going to go on the news of course it doesn't fit the agenda um and you know we but i believe this is like soft disclosure it's a it's a precursor to what we just talked about um just kind of like which is which is interesting to keep on the subject, but also mixed in with all this COVID stuff. And I know Rodney sent me a lot of links on this. We've seen all this alien disclosure coming out this year too, mm-hmm. um, from the government, and now we're seeing mainstream media pick up on these. And um, I've done my own research on a lot of this stuff, and I've always I've really enjoyed uh, Marzulli and Tom Horn and uh, Steve Quayle and all this all those guys who have done this great work. Studying it, but my personal belief, and I know there's quite a few others that believe like this, but when the rapture does happen, I believe that they're going to blame it on a mass alien abduction or something like that. I mean, this is my opinion, I'm not going to ever preach that from a pulpit, but you know, there's just so much deception coming, and uh, yeah, we it, it's, it's, it's kind of mind boggling just what we've dealt with this year. And Jesus warned us. He says,
1: when the disciples said, Lord, you're you're coming, you know, what will be the signs? He says, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. And we definitely are living in an age of deception. I mean, originally, the reason I started podcasting is because I just, I was spending my alone time with the Lord, you know, and I'm just reading and I'm watching the world around me, like glancing and peering in. And I'm just going, Lord, there's a million messages and signals of confusion and chaos. And I want to hold on to your truth no matter what. And I would plead and just say, please never leave me. You know, God, just I don't know why you love as much as you love. And I can't really wrap my head around who you are, but you say you love me. You say that we're worth it and you gave your life and and rose up from death because of your love for those who belong to you. And I would, I would just talk with the Lord. And he was really allowing me to kind of just look at a million messages and signals of confusion and chaos being present. And everybody in like their little camp is pointing at the next little camp and saying, well, we got the answers and you're wrong. And they're saying, no, we got the answers and you're wrong. And it's just a plethora of, of crooked and perverse information, just flooding people, you know, with all this stuff going on. We got to just focus on what Jesus said and and be aware that the devil has this trickery. You know, he's meandering through and he's putting you know, I was talking about this with with a friend. Isn't it awesome how God had one plan to redeem us through Jesus and the devil has ran through every rabbit trail and option (laughs) and level of deception possible and keeps switching up. Like he keeps yeah. systematically desensitizing people, str- strategizing and causing corruption. But God had one remedy. And mm-hmm. it was the lamb, the Messiah who mm-hmm. would save those who you call and believe in his mercy and righteousness. And, and that was like, really, it started to adjust. And I went, you know, Micah BDK, I would go, well, this is evidence that God's not frantic. You know, this is the proof that God is not like, you know, he's not hiding or there's no arm wrestling match happening here. That's, you know, because the world wants you to think that, Oh, yin yang, or, you know, Oh, the balance, man, the cosmos. And it's like, no, the word of God, Christ and him, crucified and risen. And because God uh, says to us in his word, my ways are not your ways. And my thought are not, my thoughts are not your thoughts. It's like, yeah, Micah's sitting here like nodding his head. Like, like, yeah, of course. Like, God, you're so you you're you're beyond what the enemy can comprehend. BDK, you said how many times um, referred to, you know, Satan being blindsided by himself because he's so full of pride and only sees one side of the coin. God took one avenue to save through Christ. And it's like, man, the devil's done every trick in the playbook you know, upside down, backwards, two times to Wednesday, and he's still pulling new tricks out of the hat, but none of it is going to win. We know how the story ends. Um, but you have a really interesting take on Revelation with um, the the mark there. I mean, a couple things you brought up that kind of like helped puzzle piece some stuff together in my mind. It was a unique um, approach. I, I don't know. The, I'm not like a timeline guy. I don't say this is going to happen then, or this is now. I mean, I get the feeling like something's on the horizon, you know, like something's going to happen. I, I know a couple episodes back, I shared a vision that I had over the summer. I was driving from, from almost Manhattan back here to Pennsylvania. I took my sister-in-law home. She lives right outside of New York city. And um, she was visiting. I'm, I'm on the road by myself for a couple hours and I'm thinking about the founding fathers. I'm thinking about the guys who, you know, just, believed in the Bible, they went out and they fought and died in order that we would have the ability to, you know, buy a car and have groceries and have a job and even, you know, be able to buy a microphone and start a podcast because there's something inside of you that loves the Lord and you just can't be quiet. You know, like these guys before us, they they were really willing to lay it down. And in the middle of thinking all that, I just get hit with, with this uh, vision that was like downloaded into my head. It just, you know, I'm thinking about the founding fathers. I'm thinking, is this price that they paid running out, you know, the the battle they fought for freedom, is it, is it coming to an expiration? And the Lord gave me this um, vision in my head, man, as I'm driving on I-78 and I seen myself, I was watching myself and I was straining my veins popping out of my arms and my neck. And I look out and around where I was, I was in a big valley and there was walls of fire, 360 degrees, every direction that were engulfing things out in the distance. But the things that were burning were causing like heat to like heat, like I was warming up some sweating. And I got to a point where I was feeling, um, feeling the pressure and the pain. And I, I throw my hands up and I start pleading Yeshua, Jesus, Jesus, and crying out to him. And the cross was just there. It was Mm. just up there and blood fell off of it and hit the right side of my face and my neck and my shoulder. And I felt comfort. I felt just Mm. peace and comfort. And that was, that's what the Lord gave me while doing 70 miles an hour on I-78 coming back into Pennsylvania. And it shook me up, man. And I also believe in the demonic entities being, you know, we know the devil's the prince of the power of the air. He's in the airways. I tried to upload I pr- well first I prayed about it for a couple of days because it it disturbed me but not in a bad way having this vision it was in a way where I'm like I got to share this with somebody like somebody else needs to hear it I I also kind of felt like I needed an interpretation not like a, you know like this is well but I just needed like a confirmation like you know, a, a, a good word like brother hold on you're going through a season the world is under under the this judgment of fire and there's things coming to keep crying out to God. But, but long story short, I tried to upload it multiple times on the, you know, different social media sites. I could not get this two, three minute video of me sharing this testimony uploaded. I literally tried probably five or six times. Um, So I did share it on the podcast episode. I think it was like five or six episodes ago, but I don't even know how I got here. Originally PDK, I wanted to ask you like 50 some minutes ago. Like my idea was to like, ask you, like, how did God bring you to a place that you're at now in life? Like you love the Lord. He, you have an anointing. He's using you all glory to God, man. You know, he's taking pleasure in using you to reach people's hearts. Can I know it's towards the end of this episode, and I know there's there's faithful listeners that will listen up until this point, and they're going to be laughing because, like, we know Rod, and we know, but of course, you <laughs> know, he didn't do this in the beginning. He's doing it as we're starting to wind down a little bit. But can you share with me, I, I as much as I've listened to you over the, the last couple of years, can you share your testimony, um, whatever you feel like talking about, but but walk me into how you got to be the BDK you are today?
0: Oh, man, that's a long story. Uh, I I can tell you this. All right. You want to know how God led me to the place I'm at now? Yeah. He led me there with a shepherd's crook. And along the way, like a shepherd, he had to break my legs a couple of times and put me on his shoulders and carry me a bunch. Um, I grew up in religion. I grew up the son of a Lutheran minister. I grew up in church. I learned how to walk, literally, in a church building. I slept in church. I I breathed church. I sang in the Sunday school choir in church. Like, as a baby, I was baptized in church, and that, that didn't save me, obviously. But if I would have died in church back then, I would have died in church, and I would have woke up in hell, because I did not know Jesus. I knew Religion, but I didn't know Jesus. And I had doubted the existence of God. I was angry at God for taking my dad away from me when I was young. And I wanted to be a minister like my dad because I loved my dad, but I didn't know the God who I wanted to minister for. And I had more questions than doubt. And I started doing bad things like every teenager does. I was listening to the wrong music. I was hanging out with the wrong people. I was smoking the wrong things. I was drinking the wrong things. I was doing drugs. I uh, found myself involved in Satanism when I was a teenager. Um, I served the devil for quite a while. I became so drug addicted that I literally was forced into rehab at the age of 17 years old. And then after I got out of rehab, um, about three, four months later, I was back in the same facility for mental health issues. The devil had completely stole my mind, my sanity, and the very essence of who I was. And... That was something that didn't happen overnight. That happened piece by piece by piece. And I got saved because of a witness. A witness of a girl that I met when I was 17 and a half. Um, she was a Christian, spirit-filled, Pentecostal young woman. Um, We kind of got thrown into a class project together, and she knew my reputation. I had a very bad reputation in school. She was an honor roll society student, editor of the yearbook, straight-A student. Like She was the complete opposite of me, and yet she didn't let my past or my scary demeanor or evilness Persuade her from telling me about this Jesus whom she served. And I knew a lot about Jesus theoretically from growing up in church, but I didn't know about this Jesus whom she was living out. And she would pray for me. Her Christian friends would be like, We're praying for you. And I'd be like, It would drive me nuts, but they were. They were praying for me. I got saved and I went to a small, small Pentecostal church um, that was in our area that my wife and her friends went to and I met God in a very powerful way after I was saved. I met God at an altar after a preacher preached a fiery message that I remember still to this day about the Daniels and the Shadrachs and the Meshachs and the Abednegoes and about a generation that would rise up, that would not bow to statues that would face fiery furnaces, that wouldn't flinch at lions. Basically a young generation that would serve God harder than they would serve the devil. When I heard that, I understood that because I served the devil very hard. <laughs> And I was saved now. And when I heard that message, that's what I wanted. The other thing was, this church was wildly crazy, man. Like, <laughs> like And they, they weren't like one of these charismatic, crazy churches that you see nowadays. This wasn't New Apostolic Reformation. This was classical Holy Ghost Pentecostalism. Yeah. But they were full of joy. Good. Like yeah. our, our church that I grew up in. It, our hymnals didn't even have amazing grades because that was too emotional of a song. <laughs> oh, I, I kid you not, I kid you not, man. Oh, like wow. like we did not raise in the hands like it, that that none of those shenanigans went on. Oh, wow. Church was a very somber, sour thing, man. Um, and that was part of my problem with religion, right? Yeah. And I remember being in this church, seeing people raising their hands, praising the Lord. I remember the preacher preaching with a fire that I've never seen a preacher preach like before in my whole entire life. Uh, I remember seeing that these guys had real Holy Ghost power. Power that I had never seen before. And I remember I remember at the end of the sermon, it was a Sunday night. And in old school Pentecostal churches, if you go to church on a Sunday night, like those things can go on forever because they don't have no constraint of the next service going on. And that's where the real Pentecostals come out. Like they have the altar services where you go down and they pray for you and you seek the Lord. And man, I'll tell you something. I was so freaked out. Like the sermon ended and they're like, if you want the power of God, if you want to be one of these people that want to serve God harder than you serve the devil, you come down here. I was embarrassed to go because I had no, I mean, this is my first time in a real church and I was kind of freaking out. And I remember turning around. I remember turning around with the people I came to, and just being like, "This was really, really cool. Can we go now?" Like, but, but I wanted to go down there. I wanted to go down yeah. there so much. Yeah. But I, I, I didn't. My pride was in the way. Yeah. I, I couldn't. I was scared. And I remember this. Uh, I felt the tug on my shirt, and there was a little old lady who had to have been like seventy years old, but her husband. Was like this. He looked like Mr. Clean, but buffer. And he looked—he looked like he was every bit seventy, but like he had the body of a nineteen-year-old. I mean, this dude was like—I was scared when I looked at this guy, man. Like, because I still had the long hair and all this crazy stuff. Like, I these were these were these were holiness Pentecostals. They were probably looking at me really weird. But this little this little grandma was tugging on my shirt and. I I look at her and she's like, young man, Lord told me that God wants you to go down there, that you need to obey what God is telling you to do in this moment. Mm. Like, if you walk away now, God will honor that because he knows you're scared. But if you go down there, he will answer the prayer that you just prayed silently. Mm. And I was like, I didn't know what a word of knowledge was, right? Like, they, they didn't teach me. We were cessationists in the Lutheran church. They didn't teach me about none of this. I freaked out because I thought this 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 lady was psychic and just read my mind because <laughs> she read my mail. She read my mail thought for thought.
1: Uh, oh, wow.
0: And at that point, what do you do? You know, you go, you down, go down there.
1: And, <laughs> yeah, you go down there. <laughs> uh,
0: you You go down there, man. And I just, I remember being down there and I didn't know what to do. Like like this, these churches weren't the type that, you know, know, everybody forms a line and then the pastor comes like a shark in the water and just starts knocking everybody down. And that's, that's not what this was, man. People would just go down to the altar and do business with God. And then people would come, maybe lay hands on you in the back or pray for you or whatever, counsel you. And I mean, it was a really holy moment, but I remember standing there in a crowd of people and I remember looking around and some people were praying and some people had their hands lifted up and there was music in the background. And I just remember, like, maybe I should raise my hands, <laughs> you know? So I raised my hands and maybe I should, maybe I should pray. And, and the moment I started praying that prayer, God, if you give me the power that these people have, this Holy Ghost power, I'll serve you. I'll serve you harder than I've ever served the devil. I promise this. This is my covenant to you, my oath to you. Because I was aware of the power of covenant and oath as a Satanist. And, and I knew that, that if I made that oath, it would be, it would be heard because this lady confirmed it in the pew. And I remember just the feeling of that moment, the holiness of that moment. It was like, I was standing in God's very presence. I could feel it. I was crying. I was weeping. I just had my hands up and I just remember like they finally played a song that I I remember hearing Like Pentecostals play the songs different though. Like, but I could remember that it was a song in our old Lutheran hymnal, but it was played in a way that we, I've never heard it. And (laughs) I remember starting to sing it. I remember to start to pray a little bit. And then I felt hands on the back of my head reaching down to my neck. And someone was just holding my head in a vice grip. And the moment they did, man, I felt a fire sweep through my body. Clear. Like, I, I felt such an infilling of power. And before I knew it, the words that I s- were speaking weren't even English anymore. And I was like, I didn't know what that meant. Okay, yeah. I didn't know what that meant. I had no frame of reference. Nobody had to talk me into it or be like, hey, you come here and repeat what I'm repeating. And then they yabba dabba do like none of yeah, that, man. Yeah. <laughs> like none of that. And I just, I, I turned around at the end and it was that lady's husband. And, um, and I went back to, uh, my seat and everybody was there. Plus, uh, this evangelist that was also there, that was a street minister. And the first words out of my mouth was show me where, what, what, something, I told them what happened. And I said, I was speaking things I didn't even understand. And I said, I don't know if this is a real show to me in the Bible. And he just opened up the book of Acts <laughs> and he just started showing me. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this is real. And that, that's been the promise, man. Now, I'll be honest with you and your listeners that I've been trying to keep that promise now for the last 30 years. And there have been times where I've kept that promise to serve the Lord harder than I've served the devil and there were times that I've backslid on that promise. Mm-hmm. And God has been extremely faithful to go out and rescue me when I go astray. And he's done that. I mean, I went through a period where I was completely, you know, I've I'd, I'd gotten out of ministry. I had stopped being an evangelist. I stopped being a pastor. Um, I basically fell away for a while. And started drinking again, started smoking again, um, living in a way that completely dishonored the Lord. I almost died one night because of it. Wow. And the Lord, in His mercy, broke my legs and put me on his shoulders and picked me up and took me back. and and uh, I'll tell you something, man, from that point on, like never another drop, never another cigarette. Like he refilled me with the Holy Spirit, and my friend Kurt, who's been my best friend forever, just started to, like, "Let's do a podcast." And then I didn't even know what one was, like but he, he was like, there. "Let's do one." And we did it, and the greatest thing of all was I met really cool brothers. Uh, I met someone I met I met uh Sam Swanson from God's Property Radio. I met Justin, Wes, Chad. Um, Phil Baker, like, I've met all these dudes that have spoken so much truth in my life, and meeting Phil Baker was probably the most important person I've ever met in my life, because he introduced me to the earliest followers of Christ and their words and the early church fathers, and this Anabaptist theology that I, I wholly cling to right now. And I have never found so much purpose in my life than I have in the last three years because I finally understand the identity of Jesus and his gospel. And it took me going through all the Pentecostalism, which I I still believe in being spirit-filled. I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. I believe in I believe in uh, tongues. I believe in all the gifts, man. Don't get me wrong. But that stuff all is reliant upon preaching a very biblical gospel. And those signs and wonders confirm the preaching of gospel. And when I understood the fact that I'm a pilgrim and I'm not of this world, and when I understood the, the simplicity of this two kingdom message, that there's a kingdom of darkness, there's a kingdom of light, There's a kingdom of God and it's a spiritual kingdom and there's a kingdom of man and that these two kingdoms are at war with each other and that everything in the kingdom of God is upside down from the things of the kingdom of men, but it's good because when God turns our world upside down, it's only upside down to us, right? What he's really doing is he's turning the world right side up for us again. And that's where I am now. Um, The greatest thing that God ever did for me was give me a simplicity of faith. Where I've been able to take all of the religious uh, baloney, all of the trappings of religion, all of the dogma and doctrine of organized religion, and just put it aside and become a follower of the way. And the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. To let the simple words of Christ just be the simple words of Christ. And it's hard because the simple words of Christ are a two-edged sword and they will divide my allegiance nine times out of ten. But, man, when Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven is like a little child entering it, that we must have faith of a little child, he, he, he wasn't kidding The kingdom of God is the most simple thing to embrace. It's not hard to figure out. It can be summed up in three chapters in the book of Matthew. Mm -hmm. If we just have the audacity enough to read those words and take them at face value and not add in all our traditions and what other people tell us these words mean, but just to live them out in simplicity of faith. Wow. And when I started doing that, my life completely changed. Chains that had been burdening me, my whole entire life fell off. I felt like a a person who was blind, now seeing again. And uh, I would just, I would just challenge anyone that's listening right now. If you want to know Jesus, the clearest way to get to know him, honestly, is to open up the book of Matthew, go chapters 5, 6, and 7, and read his teachings on the Sermon on the Mount. Because everything, in essence, even how to pray, is in there. Everything that the kingdom of God is, is there. And then he finishes it by saying, now, if you just obey the things that I've taught you, if you hear my words and obey them, the things that I just taught you in these last three chapters, you're going to be like a wise man who built his foundation upon my words. And when the storms come and the tribulations come and the waves come and they beat upon the house, your house will stand. But if you do not follow what I've just told you to do, if you hear these words and do them not, you are like a foolish man who built your house upon sand. And the waves are going to come and the rain is going to come and the storm is going to beat upon your house and it will fall. But I think that's probably one of the most prophetic things that Jesus ever said. And it's one of the things that, that we really must understand at this hour because people ask me all the time about different aspects of the tribulation and what we can do to prepare for this prophetic hour. And I just tell them, look, man, the storm is going to come. The flood is going to come. It's going to be like the days of Noah, both in Genesis 6, but there's a flood. There's a flood of the tribulation that's coming. And it's not a matter of if the storms are going to beat against your house and if the rains are going to come. They're going to come. The rain falls on the just and the unjust, right? This tribulation, this rain, this testing of mankind, the trials and the darkness of this hour are going to come to our houses, each and every one of us. But if we hear what Jesus says and we obey and we follow Jesus and his teachings, our house will stand. And I don't know about you, man, but there, that sounds good to me. That sounds like an offer that no one else in this world could make. And I would just challenge everyone that's listening tonight to, to take some time to read those chapters Maybe for a week, just read the three chapters, read them in the morning or the evening, whenever your devotional time is, read them for a week and really think on them, really study them and, and take the preconceived notions out like, and, and think about your life. Like when Jesus says, Hey man, like if an enemy strikes you, you turn the other cheek. Like, don't repay evil, right, with with violence. Like, ask yourself, is that my life? Like, when someone comes at me, do I turn the other cheek? When Jesus talks about not looking upon women with lust, ask yourself, is that my life? When he says, don't hate your brother, ask yourself, is that my life? They sound so simple. They're so childlike don't hate your brother. If you hate your brother, you're a murderer. A five-year-old could grasp that concept. Don't hate my brother. Don't hate my sister. Especially if you have a bratty brother or sister, right? But to do it as an adult is a million times harder. So if, if, if I would, I would say, Hey man, start investigating these simple truths of God. And if your life is in variance with anything that he preaches, put it back in variance. Put it back in order, and there will be a blessing, a blessing. Second thing I would, I would tell people is read the book of Revelation that way. Read, uh, read what Paul teaches in Thessalonians that way. Read it at face value. Don't let your traditions or what your denomination teaches you about the book of Revelation hinder what that book plainly says. Everyone like, is like, that book is a mystery. And, We'll never understand it. It's going to be pantrib And like, if God wanted us to know the book of Revelation, then he wouldn't have made it such a mystery. No, no, no. It's the only, it's the only book in the Bible with a blessing for those who read it and do it, which means that he expects us to understand. There's nothing mysterious about anything in that book. There really isn't. If it is, then God is a cruel, cruel God who promises a blessing for something that, He says that he wants to keep a mystery. That doesn't make sense. Read that book. Understand that book. That book is the playbook for the coming prophetic hour, man. And then most importantly, after you read these things, do it. Because without doing it, it profits us nothing. So that's what I would, uh, doing that. That is what's brought me close to God to answer your question. Doing those simple things it's just the simple things, man. I'm sorry. Like that, that'll never sell a book for 1999. That will never sell a DVD for, for 50 bucks. And it sure as heck won't get me on Sid Roth, unless I promise to uh, promise visions to heaven on top of that, because like, it's just simple advice that you give away for free, but Hey, Jesus gave his life away for free too, man. So it is what it is, man.
1: Bdk, I just took an emotional roller coaster with you, um, listening to your response, and uh, it's just so authentic. And it, it's, I, I believe, um, you know that God just works in these mysterious ways in the simplicity of what He tells us in His Word and uh, what He does to our hearts along this process. There was there was a lot of points I could relate to. And you talking about, you know, things that you were doing and experiencing when you were younger to coming to the Lord, to falling away and dealing with those things. It's just, it's, it's beautiful for brothers to be able to be transparent with each other and to discuss these things. And, uh, for anybody, you know, that's going to be listening to this, uh, and you've made it this far. I just, uh, you guys just, you know, the Lord is good and just take his word at face value. Don't let anybody try to put you in the box of, of how to think about the Bible. Just open it for yourself and read it. I've been saying for years um, since, you know, Dr. Chuck Missler, <laughs> listening to him. The Bible means what it says and it says what it means. Amen. And uh, just, you know, we don't need a, a, a Pope or, you know, you know, some magical, you know, Christian 10 steps to, you know, prosperity of the gospel book, we just need to open the word and in the humbleness and humility of our heart, read it and believe like a kid. You know, I I have teenagers as of two days ago on the sixth, they're just my twins turned 13 and my youngest will be four next month. And, um, you know these beautiful kids the Lord's given me, and just watching you know how they learn and how they grow, and just this—I mean, my teenagers are, are almost as tall as me now. They're taller than my wife. <laughs> you know, <and> it's like, <laughs> they look like grownups. I'm like, oh my gosh! And you know, they're still kids at heart. But I was talking with my daughter, and what I'm getting at here is like that—that that childlike faith, you know, and how it's evident in, in children, but yet in our belief, you know, th- that we just believe it's foolishness to the world. The scriptures talk about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who believe it's the power of God. Amen. I'm talking with my daughter the other day and she says, dad, there's this kid at school and he's really popular and everybody loves this kid. She's going on and on talking about this kid at school. And and she says, dad, he's, he's gay. Dad, is that okay? What, what's going on there? And I said, honey, and I'm, you know, remember I'm talking to my 12 year old daughter. So I'm like, I can't like philosophically go through and like the Bible says this. And I feel like, I was like, God, (laughs) just give me a simple response here. Like, this is one of those father daughter moments of like this, uh, what I'm going to tell her is going to stick with her the rest of her life. So I'm Uh I'm praying. I'm like, God, just give me wisdom. And I look at her and I say, honey, if I was gay, would you be here? And she went, Uh Oh, Oh. Dad, you're right. And I said, honey, he's still a living, breathing person. You know, you don't go like be like my dad said that, (laughs) you know, like throw (laughs) a stone at the guys. But in that moment, just God gave me the simplest direct answer that made sense for my daughter and her childlike belief. Like when her eyes got big and she's like, Dad, you're right. Like if you had been gay, like I wouldn't be here, Dad. Like she understood all of all of it in just the twinkling of an eye. Anyway, it just reminds me of how like we believe the Lord Jesus and what he says and, and how we don't need to overcomplicate it. Um, but man, you took me on an emotional roller coaster listening to your response, um, you know, to our question of how you, you know, the Lord has led you to where you are today. I know every single one of us has a beautiful and unique testimony to share, um, and we should not be ashamed. You guys, as you're listening, wherever you're listening from, overseas, uh, whether you know you're in the Philippines, you're in Germany, you're, you're here in the states, don't be ashamed or afraid of your testimony. You guys, when God, when Jesus is the Lord and Savior of your life, and He's working these things out, He's continuing to bring these things um, up and he's dealing with you and, you know, he's walking with you through the course of your life. Don't be afraid to share with people the good he's done for you. Um, the scriptures talk about how it's a sweet and savory scent to the Lord when we declare his goodness and his righteousness and how faithful he's been to us in our lives. Um, we're, we're at like an hour and 20 some minutes. I kind of want to wind down here a little bit, um, and, and get ready to close out. But Micah, do you have a response to that before we give BDK like you know his his last um, segment here on the show? Is Is there anything you want to feel? I know I kind of jumped in and you were looking at me. You're like, oh, like your heart was swelling up, and you're feeling it too. I just I I felt like there's something you need to say.
2: No, I just I enjoyed listening to BDK be BDK. (laughs) Yeah, Um, (laughs) I can't tell you how many times I've been at work with an earbud in. And been encouraged by the things you said and you know listening to your testimony i was able to relate not to all of it but to a lot of it um you know being raised in the church and uh i I was like spiritually calloused if you want to put it like that and the church i was raised in was a Lutheran, like we were holy spirit you know tongues talking people running up and you know non-denominational but basically pentecostal um and you know, just but being callous because I was so inundated in it. Um, I remember the moment I almost decided to turn to Wicca
0: because mm-hmm.
2: I just you know I was sick of hearing about. Like I saw a lot of the flaky Christianity. Not that all of it was like that, but you know it became corny to me. And I just wanted something real. I want, and I was picked on a lot. You know, I. I'm not going to get into it because I don't want to. I don't want to wind down here, (laughs) but, uh, you know, it took a lot of fiery trials in my life to, to get to where I am today. And I'm at this, if this makes sense, it's a contradiction. I wish it hadn't taken me so long to get to where I am. And I wish I hadn't had to go through what I went through to get to where I am, but I'm grateful for what I went through and I would never trade it for the world if that makes any sense.
0: Oh, totally, brother.
2: And I remember being, when I was a teenager, we were just talking about testimonies. Um, I remember being at the youth rallies and all these places and people, you know, we're going to have a guy share tonight about how he went to prison 15 times and he slept with every girl and did every drug, but God saved him. And you know what I mean? Like those kind of things, <laughs> like they're sensational. And uh, I remember him thinking, I'm just a pastor's kid growing up in church. I don't have a testimony. Hmm. And, and it used to actually kill me inside, in a way. And, and you know, people used to say, "Oh, don't worry. The best testimony you can have is not having, you know, all that junk." And you know, I agree with it. It is, but as a kid, you know, I just felt like left out in a way. But, not, needless to say, God did give me a testimony, and uh, yeah, he did. And, and and everybody has a different one, but the reason why we have these testimonies is to show how good God is Amen. to show the power Amen. of God. And that's why we have Him. And that's why we go through these dark times. It's not, it's not anything really. It's not about us. It's all about him. Amen. And if we rely on him, we call on him. And most importantly, if we surrender to him, we see what he does in us and we see what he does through us. And, you know, I, I feel like such a broken vessel so, so often mm-hmm. I I beat myself up over the smallest sin and I just daily, I, I come before God and I say, Lord, if you can still accept a guy like me, I would be thrilled to be a shoe shiner or a doorkeeper in your house for all eternity. If you would just accept me and keep me, you know, like, I don't need to have crowns or robes or glory. I don't deserve any of that. But what's really awesome about our God is he gives that to us. And uh, just like the prodigal son, you know, he came to this breaking point. He finds himself eating slop with the pigs. I'm realizing, you know what? My father treats his servants so well, and I was a fool to leave. But if he takes me back, I will be a servant. I will be a lowly, you know, even even the lowliest person in this house is treated with dignity. Mm -hmm. And that's how I feel about my God. You know, as broken as I become, I I say, God, you know, if you would just just make me a lowly vessel in your place because I know that it's better than the alternative and I just want to be in your presence. But what's even better than that is when we come back to him in that broken state, he does give us a ring. He does give us a robe and he does give us a place of status. But it's not because of us. It's because of what his son Jesus did. And uh, it's just, it's fantastic. And,
0: uh really that that was amazing you got me choked up a little bit over here
2: wow it's just uh you know we know the spirit of God's here and uh it's it's that uh, that other amazing aspect that you know you being in Wisconsin us here in Philly it doesn't matter God is beyond time he's beyond space and uh thank you. and I'm thankful because you know Satan can't do that He's not not omniscient. He's not omnipresent. He's not omnipotent. He's a created being, just like we are, except we have redemption and salvation through Jesus Christ. Whereas him and his fallen angels, they don't have that. So they lash out. But you know what? We know, wrapping it back up to the beginning, we have the playbook. And whether or not we may suffer and lose through some battles, we know that the war is won.
0: Yeah. Amen.
1: BDK, it's been an honor to have you on here, Micah. It's been an honor to have you here. You guys, it's just, uh, I'm going to re-listen to this probably two times before I edit and release <laughs> it. I mean, it's just, there's genuine agreement and love for Jesus. And Amen. Um, I hope that that just continues. And um, that this episode just causes other brothers to just, you know, forgive each other over the small little things and just keep loving that our love wouldn't grow cold as these days approach. And BDK, is there anything else you want to say to the audience before uh, we get off the episode here?
0: Uh, No, not much. Micah, man, you kind of said pretty much it all, man. Uh, I don't know if I could even follow that. The only thing I would say to people is I think one of the valuable things that if you take away something from this episode, it's kind of what you just said, Rodney. It's like, this is an example of three different brothers coming together and just dwelling in unity and love. And we need a, we need a bunch of that in the body of Christ right now. And it's, it's about people being authentic and, and authentic in their faith and authentic in their love. And the only thing I would tell people, is, that's what this world is dying to see. And man, if you have a talent, whether it's podcasting or whether it's fixing cars or whether it's being hospitable or being an usher or whatever, it doesn't matter if it's big or very, very small. God doesn't, doesn't see that. He doesn't grade on that scale. He doesn't grade on that curve. If you have a gift from God, be bold enough to use it. If your gift is podcasting, if your gift is talking, if your gift is sharing your testimony, if it's what we're doing right now, get yourself a microphone and a, and a, and a, and a phone, if nothing else, and just record. Like, do whatever God has called you to do and do it well and do it honestly. Because I'm telling you, man, like people listen to me and they're like, I would love to listen to BDK, but he says, dude, man, way too much. It's like, it's like being at a revival meeting and Bill and Ted are the presiding pastors of the church, man.
2: Oh, that's a great church. Like,
0: like, like we, we, we can't listen. Like I've had people tell me that and then I'm like, well, then you go, you go. And you speak in your voice because you're right. There are people that I'm never going to be able to reach that only you can reach. So you go reach them. You go. And if you need help, you come and you ask me how to do it. If you need prayer, I'll pray with you, man. No worries, man. I'm not offended. I say, dude, man, way too much. I know it, but seriously, we're living in an hour where it needs to be all hands on deck. Let's all put our hands together in unity and get them on deck. Let's fight the good fight of faith. And never give up and never surrender.
1: Coming to you from Southeastern Pennsylvania. I hope you guys enjoyed this show. BDK, do you want to tell everybody real quick where they can find your podcast and anything else that you're working on?
0: Sure. Um, if you have a podcast or a pod catcher of choice, like an Apple's podcast or Google Play or Anything like that, just type in Omega Frequency and you'll find our podcast. If you're on the internet, you can go to OmegaFrequency.com. That's our website. And if you like to watch the YouTube, just type in Omega Frequency. That's our channel. And that's it, man.
1: Micah, where can everybody find your
2: work right now with the podcast? Where can they find you? Um, Right now, it's strictly podcast um, audio, but I'm on all major platforms google apple spotify and it's the nightlight podcast but it's spelled k-n-i-g-h-t l-i-g-h-t so um i was made aware there's another podcast with the same name <laughs> um but um that's a horror movie review podcast that is not mine mine is the. Uh, <laughs> yeah,
1: I could just imagine. I'll be getting messages in like a couple of weeks like, who's
2: this other guy? Uh, so guy <laughs> yeah, my,
1: my, <laughs> mine is not the whole a lot movie of nudity and on <laughs> yeah, that yeah. Uh, podcast there. I yeah. do not promote those things, yeah. you guys.
2: <laughs> no, that is not mine, but mine is uh, the Nightlight Podcast, though, so, and uh, I believe it's the only other one with that name. It's kind of weird how that happened, but I just want the word of God to be spread and hopefully it encourages somebody, you know?
1: Well, that's it. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. If you found this episode to be helpful, share it with a friend. If it made you laugh, if it made you cry, if it just helped you to understand something deeper, then support all three of these guys. All three of us here. And we just thank you, everybody.